Welcome to the What the Data podcast with your hosts, Mitch and Leo. I hope you, you got some beer next to you because uh, this one is, uh, is an interesting one, eh? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's a bit early for me to drink beer, at least, you know, with my family still around. They're actually going to take off for a long weekend without me tomorrow. And that's the time when I will get into day drinking. Um, but for today, it has to be coffee, I guess. So if we doing a recap for the last episode, so we were talking a little bit about tracking and, and the IDFA and the changes that Apple have done. And I think that since then, there is an apocalypse feeling all over, right? So you see so many podcasts and articles about it right now. It's, it's like overflowing. I, I think the problem is that we've gotten used to this dynamic of, you know, announcement, end of the world, announcement, end of the world. <laughs> It's just been like this for for a few months now. Um, I guess this is one of the topics where it makes more sense to look a bit more closely and, and see what it actually means. But no asteroid going to kill us yet, as it seems. We are we we still fine. We're going to survive it. Yeah, sure. I, I think <laughs> you don't like, sound so convinced. <laughs> I mean, at any point in time, there's always a risk of an asteroid or a volcano <laughs> or like an underground volcano that creates a. a this crazy thing I heard about is essentially where like an underground volcano creates an explosion. The explosion shoots a, a, a big rock into the sky and the sky comes, the, the rock comes down. And then this is like an asteroid. So it's a combined underground volcano asteroid. I forgot the name right now. Oh, um, so there's always like, essentially there's always like terrible things in store. But, but at the same time, what use, what good is, it, good is it to worry about them? It was smart to pick up my beer, I think, for such a start of an episode. <laughs> all i'm saying is it could be worse you know imagine what like a huge asteroid would do to the app store advertising ecosystem <laughs> so that, that would be pretty bad i'm sure also the news would immediately do the same thing they did on on, on COVID when they were like you know first they report on health and then the next three months they only report on the stock market like oh no what is this crisis going to do to the stock market i think the next asteroid you know it's same thing first day they will report on you know asteroids going to hit us kill us all Second day, it would just all be about like, oh, stock market declined by 20%. That's pretty bad. And then this will be all the news afterwards. You know, I have a, I have a friend I was uh, having a conversation with a couple of days ago, and he told me that he was investing heavily in the stock market. I know you're also <laughs> investing a little bit and you're playing there. But I told yeah. him like, what I'm always scared about the stock market is that there is a lot of people that having some money or actually they don't have money. <laughs> they're going mm. into the stock market. And the minute that things started to turn around, they're creating such a fuss that there are huge drops. Yeah, it's Like if you're looking yeah. at the Tesla uh, stock, right? Some days it was arriving to 15%, even 12% increase. And end of the day, somehow with 3% or minus 3% even in some cases because of all yeah. of these people freaking out or running to cash in. I mean, I don't want to be a snob about this, you know, like, you know, I did this before it was cool. I, I hate these people. At the same time, the more people in your surroundings tell you that they are investing for the first time, the more you should be worried. Because the more guys just kind of get into the market, the more it becomes like a, it becomes like a hype, right? Like a bubble. And yeah. in the moment, it's like so many people creating their accounts on Trade Republic, on Robinhood. I saw yeah, yeah. actually recently, I saw this, this statistic that 
the stock market on any given day in the moment is driven by around 25% by amateurs. And the professionals <laughs> are not actually spending, moving a whole lot of money in the stock market right now. And the question is, why would the professionals not want to be in on this, you know, in on this, on this big journey? The point is at some point, you know, all the, like a big share of the money that actually came from stimulus for the, for the people's, uh, for, for people's rent and, and food and so on and so forth, especially in the US has been put into the stock market. Imagine how crazy that is. The government gives you a little bit of money for your rent. You put it in the stock market and all the professionals are just sitting on the sidelines watching you do that. I don't think that's a good environment right now. <laughs> you know, my, my grandpa used to say, and he wasn't a great analyst, right? But he, he still used data. And he told me always that once he heard that his uh, grocery grocery store clerk is going into, yeah. the, into the market, he's putting his money out because he already knows where it's going. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, so I'm mostly trying to get out of actually buying stocks in the moment. And I mean, we don't even have to talk about stuff like Tesla, you know, where they like increase tenfold in like a year or so. That's not even the one that's the weirdest <laughs> to me. Um, but anyway, you know, let's talk about the IDFA. Yeah, uh, I try I try to avoid it, not to, to drive everybody out of the podcast so early. So at least <laughs> we managed to catch them for a couple of minutes uh, engaged with us. I think it's important. <laughs> I, I think it's good that we got this like get rich quick, you know, monetary advice <laughs> section out in the beginning. <laughs> it, it's good because if you think about it, what happened now with the IDFA and all of these yeah. hacks that people are trying to produce, it is kind of everybody, your grocery store manager running to the market without even understanding to the fullest what's going to happen. Yeah, it always worries me if like a ton of companies are running out building their own things. Like I think in general, having a good custom solution is a good thing. But if you're just kind of running around and build these hacks to just comply with some legislation or with some breaking changes, that usually causes problems. Like I've recently... Um, seen this one company that just tried to implement this new, uh, these cookie banners of like, you know, opt in if you want to be tracked. Um, and then they built their solution and three weeks in, they said, well, you know, we have a slight problem with the feature. Um, so it is not actually, <laughs> it's not actually blocking the cookies. And we're like, how is that a slight bug? That's the one thing it was supposed to be. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned it because I had a, a client uh, recently that I... I refused working with <laughs> and mm. the reason was that when we done some testing for their tracking, we found out that although they don't consent, although they're asking for consent, sorry, from the users, even if the user don't consent, the data is still being transferred uh, to third parties like Facebook and Google. Yeah, and, yeah. and when we mentioned it, they told the answer was that they're going to deal with it when the authority is going to arrive. And I'm like, I think you haven't met yet the German authorities. They're not that friendly and negotiable about it. Yeah, that reminds me of another conversation too, where someone told me, like a product manager told me, like the right to be forgotten thing, where you just delete people from the database. They said, we will build the feature when we get the first request. And I told them like, but you won't be able to comply with the request if you haven't built it until then. Like... <laughs> Because essentially, if you don't build your database in a way where you can retrieve these people and, and get rid of these data uh, of these data points, then you couldn't do it after the fact, right? Like, yeah. if you if you if you put a drop of oil into into a glass of water, exactly. you can't say like you can't say I'll get the oil out when someone asks me to. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably too late. 
But if we're talking about the IDFA, actually, so let's, if we're going back to the main subject here, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, which is basically Apple blocking us as uh, publishers or app publishers to actually get the unique identifier of the install on our uh, on our app. What, what what is your feeling about it? In matter of we talked about like how how it's going to affect quite a lot uh, the the ecosystem, but do you actually think that? there will be a solution without talking to Apple or having a direct communication with them. No, I don't think there's any workaround. I mean, the one thing that, that Apple has always been quite clear on is that they want to have control over these things, right? Like there, there never was a reason why it would be difficult to get the install source. You know, like so you get an install for your own app and you want to know where it came from. That would have that should have never been difficult, but Apple just always said no. We are going to put this blocking uh, logic between the install and then your user session. Um, nowadays, there yeah. are providers that help you find out where your users came from, but at the same point, it's like Apple never had to make it this difficult. It's just that they want to have control over the flow of information. Maybe they want to build their own ad network. You know, every now and then, you know, this iAd thing was tried and it just get, went away. One day they probably think back about like building their own network. Um, so in the end, I don't think you will ever be able to get around them just because they are very smart about managing their platform. You know, I'm always thinking about it, uh, that the IDFA is actually is an overkill for a lot of app publishers which already got killed by GDPR, right? So I was writing in a post a couple of months ago on my LinkedIn, I was talking about the e-privacy law that the European uh, Parliament going to pass soon. Uh, although they keep postponing it, and now I heard it maybe got killed, hopefully. I don't know if you heard about it, but the e-privacy was basically meaning that all users will need to consent uh, for you to track information in general. So you won't be able to track anything about the activity of the user, which basically going to create a lot of ghost users. And I think that the move by Apple is very similar to that, right? It's it's basically going to mm-hmm. create a lot of ghost users on our app. Yeah, I mean, the difference you have to keep in mind is that at some Apple is still going to find a way to make it possible for you to count users and to track activity in an, in an isolated way. It's just that in the past, we used to have this one ID that would tell us who the person is. Like not, you know, by name, but that ID would be unique to the device. And we could still say it was the same person who clicked on a banner, who opened an app and so on and so forth. So if Apple just kind of makes it more difficult to collect this ID because you have to opt in, the question always becomes, why would someone want to opt in into data collection? Um, It's hard to explain to them why it is good for them because we can make better apps better uh, ads we can we can improve the apps at the same time people will just think about like oh no the government is spying on me i'll just say no to this um so it made it, it makes it difficult to kind of do useful things you know i'm always i'm always talking about this uh of of gdpr and the the, the california law for privacy which were, I think, already a big step towards giving the user a little bit more understanding of what is data uh, is do- what what happened with his data. But mm. uh, you know, so basically, at the end of the day, GDPR and the California law ended up in the fact that you need to get a consent and you need to inform the user about what you're going to use the data for, which is a fair thing. I think that if I'm using your app, I want to know what you're going to do with it. 
But there is a certain trade-off that when I'm getting something for free, I'm not expecting really to get it for free. I know that there is a price and I think that Facebook were the first one to set it up, right? So I give you the platform of Facebook. I'm going to track you. I'm going to follow you and I'm going to make advertisement that fitting to stuff that you creating on my platform. And the trade-off is that they allow me a free communication with my friends if I want to. I can also decide not to do it, but there, there is a certain give and take. And, and this move by Apple is basically completely killed it, right? It, 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 it didn't even leave a, a, a small point for the, for the advertiser to actually have this give and take, especially with this very small window that it's going to pop up only once. The marketeer or the, the app publisher will have one opportunity to convince the user to opt in. Yeah, I mean, I I think the point is really like, I don't think this give and take was ever really, really clear to the normal public. You know, they would just say like, oh, Google is giving me a free email program. Neat. You know, I'll, I'll just take it. Um, and, you know, for Facebook, it was kind of similar. I think we've just lost a lot of trust in the public. If if you could actually get to a point where you say like, like with the German Corona app, where they say we, we connect, we collect these IDs but we build it in such a way that's actually private, privacy compliant and it's actually technically a well-designed process. I think at that point you can get some trust. And this would have been the option for, for Apple to maybe yeah. replace the IDFA with something more privacy focused and better than it was. Um, just kind of, you know, taking yourself out of the conversation and pretending it was never your, your business. That's kind of like a cheap way to get out of it, right? To just say like, oh, we are just not as dirty as Google is. So we will just kind of cut this off. That was always a cheap solution for them. Do, do you actually think that Google is going to follow up? So Google is going to go in the same step? It's hard, you know. Google is a, Google is an actual advertising company. So for them to just... Essentially, one thing, without going too much into detail, one thing the IDFA would be needed for is to do retargeting. You yeah. wouldn't know it was the same person who was in your app and looked at a certain product without having an ID that kind of follows the person around. So... Apple essentially made in retargeting incredibly difficult. I don't think Google would ever want to go that way. No, but, but if you think about it, they have an interest actually to do it because they want to get more budget out of your pocket, right? So if we're looking today about the marketing advertisement budget, in average, between 70 to 80% goes to Facebook. They have mm -hmm. a clear line why to do it. I mean, sure. I mean, that's the reason why Google added uh, ad blockers to Chrome. Because this way they could kind of decide which ads get blocked. Um, so sure, there, 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 there are upsides to building these walls and just seeing if who else besides you can climb over them. So maybe there could be a case for it. It's just that I'm, I'm, I'm in the moment. I couldn't imagine that people would that they would actually want to go and take that risk. Although on the other side, now that you say it, um, they have user IDs, right? They yeah. do. So yeah, essentially, yeah, if you use the Google search app, if you use Gmail or whatever, they probably have a user ID that's much better than an IDFA or Google Play Store ID could have been. It's very similar to the move they've done with Firebase, right? When they force advertisers to use it. Yeah, you're right. Now that I think about it, Google actually, if they would just kill a public ID, then they could be the only retargeting provider in town. You know, they could completely kind of end other business models and make block other companies out. But the, you know what? The, the interesting question is then what is the interest of Apple actually to do it? Let's face it. Come on. This is not really user privacy. This is not what drives them. 
But what drives them there, I think it was actually trying to bite into Facebook and Google advertisement and actually get their own share. Uh, and I think it's kind of a move, come on, let's face it, to move user, the advertisers to start using Apple search. Don't, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing is that they, they, they started iAd, you know, this one network that didn't quite work out. But now they kind of found, realized that, you know, they own the app store. So they may as well just kind of collect revenue from there, especially since selling phones is not going to get, generate the growth that it did in the past. Sure. So, so why not make it more difficult for the other guys? At the same time, if someone is already in the app store, I don't know if your advertising is going to be as good. Because if you get someone at the search engine level where he looks for a product, placing ads at this place, a step of the funnel is just more interesting. So I don't think Apple can compete on that level. Like me as an advertiser, I don't know. I would never stop spending money on the web and on search functions. But then, but then maybe they're going to the same direction, right? With Safari, maybe. But you, so this, this exactly, I, what is my, my, my thoughts about it is that it happened too early. I think that Apple went for a move before they prepared this entire infrastructure around it to actually support it. That's that's my feeling, actually, from what I read and, and seen the last couple of weeks about it. Yeah, but that, that's also why I'm not sure if it was actually a strategic move to get into advertising. For me, it felt more like it's a way to distance themselves from advertising because also on other levels, like they want to they want their publishers that, that, develop, that develop apps. They usually want them to go with like other business models other than advertising. I still believe they just want to whitewash their company and just kind of say like, okay, we are not one of those icky ad-driven online businesses. That's still my feeling about this. So we can say it's going to be very interesting in the coming weeks and months actually to see how it's developing. So for my conversation that I had with guys at Adjust and AppStrive, for example, because we actively trying to figure out how, how things can work, it seems that they also realizing that without having the support of Apple on it, nothing gonna, no, nothing gonna change. And they are quite a silo in Apple. It's quite hard to get to them. Yeah, I, I think I, I read some, some ideas and some concepts that are kind of currently being thrown around by those partners. Um, of course, it's hard to say without kind of seeing what Apple thinks of them or to see them implemented. But to me, the problem still remains that in order to get a bridge, so get one contact and then the app opening, you need to get consent on both sides and a tracking provider can never get consent on the other side. So essentially, I still believe that like the move that Apple made is still going to going to cut through their business models and I don't see a good approach to fix that right now. So if we're talking about the stock market when we started the episode, this is basically the same issue right now, right? So. A lot of people will need basically to put their money inside the stock market without even knowing what and why they're putting their money there. It's just the feeling that something is growing, so they want to become part of it. And then somebody with a lot of money, at the end of the day, they're going to make much more money because they, they are there, right? That, that's, that's where we're going, actually. I think sometimes we assume that being smart and putting your money in smart places is going to make you rich at some point. But... Just just wait for the moment when the big banks, you know, the professional investors, the Goldman Sachs of the world are going to give out the first warnings where they say, oh, I think the stock market is overvalued. Then suddenly you see this avalanche of stock prices tumbling. Um, 
Of course, they will wait for the moment when they have sold all of their stock to the private investors, you know, when they've gotten yeah. rid of all that stuff at high prices. But the problem is they also have the analysts in their companies. So they get to say, oh, I think the party's <laughs> over, my friends. Um, I think we're going to dump this now. And that's exactly what, what Apple was able to do now, to just kind of be like, you know, you've built this entire ecosystem with app install ads and those things. We've not been participating in those revenues. We are not super uh, happy about the fact that we couldn't. <laughs> I think the party's over, guys. Um, and this is when you suddenly realize that you play in someone else's sandbox. So if we're talking about it, let, let's talk about the reality. Then they wanted a share. They didn't get a share. And now they Maybe. decided to... I mean, there's this weird situation where Facebook has been dominating app install ads to, to a big degree. So Facebook has somehow become part of the, the ecosystem of apps, even though all they do is collect money and then just kind of, you know, shell out the installs. It's weird. I I understand yeah. that that you as the owner of the of the ecosystem, the walled garden, as it was used to be called, that you don't want that to continue forever. So let's. It's going to be interesting. I think uh, future to where we're going. But let's face it. IDFA maybe not going to be part of of our advertisement, and we should put our eyes open now to what Google mm -hmm. is going to do. Because they're going to escalate. I don't think they're going to stay silent for that. Yeah, you're right. I think this parallels the move of when Apple said they would want to allow ad blockers in Safari on the mobile devices, and Google immediately followed suit with the Chrome ad blocking uh, solutions. In both cases, you thought that Google would just kind of like hurt their business, but in the end, they just thought two moves ahead. They hurt their business short term, and long term, they make it harder for competition to pop up. Okay, Mitch, I think that uh, we can wrap this one. And mm -hmm. I'm going to see you in the next episode, right? But I can ask you for the next one to actually bring a beer because I'm, I'm missing this feeling, you know, of the both of us sitting down and having a beer and, and rotting about the entire world and the asteroid is going to hit everything. You are right. You know, it, this one wasn't depressing enough. You know, I usually, I, I, need one, I need one or two beers to actually be, more, be negative enough. In conversation. <laughs> That's a good point. Good. So... <laughs> See you soon, Mitch. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the What the Data podcast. 